Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from North Platte, where the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo is underway. So if you hear some background noise, that is what it is. And of course, I apologize to our guests today who might have some difficulties every so often catching what I have to say. We're going to look at the update estimates. What's coming out of Brazil? This Russia-Ukraine conflict just continues to grow as weather in South America goes back to the hot and dry side. And you're not rubbing your eyes the wrong way. China did make some purchases of some old crop grains today. We'll talk more about that on the new highs that happened in the cattle market. Lots to look at today as we talk with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with StoneX. And Arlen, let's start out looking at those updated estimates that you guys released yesterday out of Brazil. Yeah, our Brazil team in StoneX uh, completed their customer survey and revised their production estimates based on those survey results, dropping the soybean production down to 126.5 million metric tons. Now, that's down from 134 million metric tons the previous month and down from 145 million metric tons the previous year. There's other local uh, private production estimates that have been very similar or lower than our estimate. And so I think this is something we need to take notice of. Uh, Again, I'm going to go back to the fact that predicting soybean yields is very, very difficult. There's a reason why in the United States when there's Midwest crop tours that they don't estimate soybean yields. Uh, they, They report pod counts more than they do soybean yields uh, because, uh, you know, pods can be counted very easily, but what you don't know until you combine is what's the size of those beans in the pod, and that can have a big impact on yield. And so we need to see this verified by harvest results. So far, the combines are moving quickly through fields in the northern two-thirds of the belt, where it pretty much rained all season long. The dry areas are the southern third, and we're going to see combines get into that region in the weeks ahead. If, in fact, the combines verify the numbers that come from our survey as well as other surveys, then it's a real game changer. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is it means that rather than have soybeans to sell all year long, which lower Chinese demand for U.S. soybeans, it means that Brazil could run out of exportable supplies of soybeans this summer, making China and other countries come back to the United States for a late marketing year run on our soybeans. Now, we're not expected to run out of soybeans before our next harvest, but it does look that it'll drop tight if, in fact, that happens, and it would increase the number of soybeans we would export next fall because Brazil wouldn't be simultaneously also exporting soybeans during that period of time. So it dramatically changes both the current marketing year and the next marketing year. And in doing so, it means that we need to see more acres planted to soybeans this last year. I've previously said when we've talked, Susan, that we need to plant at least 89 million acres of soybeans in the coming growing season. Well, this raises that goal up to at least 90 million, if not more, and that's assuming normal weather for the growing season because there'd be virtually no margin for error. So it is a game changer for this market and that's why the market's been responding to it. 
And that doesn't even take into account potential losses we may have in Argentina, which it's still, frankly, too early there to know how that's going to play out. There are weather forecasts saying that it's going to revert dry and continue to get drier and drier again after the rains that we had in the last half in January. And there are models saying that they're going to continue to get timely rain. So we don't know how that's going to play out. Their February is like our August for the Midwest. It's a critical month. So a lot at play here. Things could get tighter yet. But again, that's assuming that the combines confirm these lower production estimates for Brazil. You talk about what we've seen weather-wise, and we know that there's been some some stressing factors with that second corn crop going in the ground. Is there any marketplace that we could see affecting our corn market in the nearbys if they have the struggles going on in there? Yeah, the corn market's a little bit more interesting. A lot of the money flow in the market has really shifted toward focusing on soybeans, particularly over the last week as we started to see the, the export bids for Brazil at the ports fall, rise above U.S. exports for June, July, and August, and even become competitive in May, uh, rising up to where U.S. soybeans are even competitive in May as well. So the focus has been on soybeans. The corn market still needs to maintain 91 million acres. That hasn't changed, and I think the market's doing its job. Fertilizer prices are heating up again, although there's been some volatility up and down depending on the day. So that's still a factor longer term. Um, but rising soybean prices are, even though soy- corn went down and was under pressure and some intermarkets spreading today, Corn market still needs to respect what's happening in soybeans. They can't afford to lose those acres that it has. I don't think it has yet, but it's something that is certainly going to have to respect because we're anticipating that export shipments are going to continue to seasonally strengthen in the weeks and months ahead, and that's going to emphasize more the export market, even as ethanol margins have been kind of on decline of late and... uh We've been maintaining production of ethanol, but those margins have been tightening. But I think we're going to shift more toward an export focus in the weeks and months ahead. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we will hit the second half of the Fontenelle final bell today. We're going to look at China. You know, they were back in the market again today to make that purchase of some old crop uh, grains. We'll look at that. We'll also talk about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. What type of conflict is this going to cause, especially when we look at our energy markets? More is coming up in Radio Network. Here is another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids featuring another dealer for our network. We're going to visit with Terry Kachera from Bassett, Nebraska. And Terry, tell us a little bit about your dealership and working for Fontenelle. Well, Joe, I've been a dealer for Fontenelle since 1972. During my career as a seed dealer and farmer in Nebraska, I've seen a lot of change. As genetics and technology progress through the years and decades, Fontenelle has always been as progressive as any seed company that I've ever been around. Terry, any advice that you've learned through all these years of dealing with Fontenelle? I've always said uh, in farming, you're always going to make mistakes. You know, in most mistakes, you just can't help. You know, it's the weather or machine breakdown or pivot blows over or something like that. Uh, hybrid selection really isn't one that you should have to worry about. And Fontenelle always stands well, always yields well, and is fairly priced. That's Terry Kuchera from Bassett, Nebraska. To learn more about products or to become a dealer, just go to Fontenelle.417. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast today from the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo taking place in North Platte, Nebraska. Arlen Suderman joins us. He is with StoneX and want to start out talking about demand in China. They were back in making some old crop purchases. We- yeah, they come back to buy some soybeans, and I think that's indicative of what we're seeing in particular our production estimates that have come out this week along with some other private production estimates out of Brazil. And China, it, it's easily excitable when it's a potential shortage of supplies, and they will chase a bull market. They tend to get caught up in bull markets, and we certainly have one in soybeans right now. So buying another 14 million bushels believed to be China today, I anticipate we're going to see more because if, in fact, these numbers are as low as what we believe they are in Brazil, if that verifies, that means that China is going to have to buy both more old crop and new crop soybeans from the United States, and they would rather do it at lower prices rather than higher prices. And so... Their buyers tend to get, as I said, caught up in the emotions of these bullish markets, and they tend to chase them until the market breaks. And once the market breaks, well, then they'll tend to let prices come to them and then start buying again. So for now, it looks like they're there chasing this market higher. Were they the unknown of today in the market talk, or we still don't know who made that purchase? We really don't know whether they're the unknown, but generally believe that they are. And uh, so we anticipate that there's going to be more of that buying in the days ahead. Russia, Ukraine, now we've got President Biden calling up troops to go to to Europe. That's going to put a lot of strain not only on, on U.S. emotions, but a strain on what we see in the energy markets in our wheat. Yeah, I cannot underemphasize the... I cannot overemphasize the situation with Russia and Ukraine. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Only President Putin of Russia knows his intentions here. It could be that he's just trying to get leverage uh, for concessions from the West. It may be ideally he would just like to put in a puppet regime in Ukraine and not ever fire a shot. That may be it. But he's invested too much in movement of troops that now surround more than 70% of Ukraine's borders. He's invested too much capital in this to come away empty. So we anticipate something is going to happen, uh, whether it be changing the regime in Ukraine without invading, maybe an invasion, maybe significant concessions from the West. Whatever, we anticipate that if it's going to happen, it'll happen probably between February 7th and February 13th. There's a lot of different facets to this. First of all, Russia, if the conflict erupts that disrupts trade from the region, and again, if they just march in, change the regime, and everything's over overnight, then it probably doesn't disrupt trade. But if an all-out war erupts, that's probably going to disrupt trade. And Russia and Ukraine are responsible for 29% of the world's wheat trade. Ukraine is responsible for 16% of the world's corn trade. And, and then you start looking at all the crude oil that comes out of that part of the world. And natural gas. Your, uh, Russia supplies Europe with a large portion of its natural gas and even crude oil. If it doesn't like the sanctions that the West starts putting on and tries to divide NATO and see who's loyal and who's not, 
and start shutting down natural gas and natural gas prices surge higher once again like they did this past fall, that shuts down fertilizer production once again in Europe. And then when you look at fertilizer production in Russia and Belarus, which is also involved in this, Russia's responsible 17% of the world's exportable nitrogen fertilizers. It's responsible for 13% of the phosphate fertilizers that are on the world market. And Russia and Belarus combined are responsible for 36% of the potash that is exported in the world. So a significant amount of fertilizer comes from that area of the world at a time when supplies are tight and the market is very volatile. And that can have implications around the world. Um, and and then when you start looking at some of the other factors, in fact, there was one NATO in, intelligence officer who said that he has seen intelligence that um, if Russia goes in, China would then take a, make a move on Taiwan simultaneously at the same time. I don't know whether that's true. That's just what's being reported by an intelligence officer. But that could have the opposite effect on the commodities if, in fact, it raised the risk of some type of, uh, of uh, stoppage of trade with China in, as a response. So a lot of factors at play here creating volatility. Lots of great information that you shared with us. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? Stonex.com or over on Twitter, Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F-101 is my handle. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. And it reduces your input costs. And I'm looking at some of the examples you have on your on your posters, and it looks like some of these containers might actually be biodegradable. Um, yes, they do make a smaller biodegradable tub, which is very convenient if you have large pastures that you just need to take it out there and and leave it and it will just go away when the mineral goes away perfect if they want to find out more information where do they need to go um yes you can go to realmax.net or you can stop by our facebook page at black canyon ranch llc from north platte i'm susan littlefield